It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 7.07 on a Saturday morning, still 56 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful doing whatever you want to do in your landscape. Just tell me what you want, and I'll tell you how to do it. All you have to do is call 404-872-0750. When you call, Ashley Frasca will talk to you for a few minutes just to get the call straightened out and get your question clarified. And she'll put you on the screen here in one, two, three, four, five. Here we go down the line. First in line, Anne is out in Decula and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Good morning, Anne. Good morning, Walter. Thank you for taking my call. How can I help? I have two uh, maple trees in my front yard that were planted by the builder years ago, and now the root system is headed for the sidewalk. Mm, (laughs) And I need to take them out. Uh, They're about 15 to 20 feet tall. Mm -hmm. Um, But my homeowners association says I have to replace them with something that will be at least four feet tall. I want something low maintenance and something that won't um, have a root system that gets me down the road. Any suggestions? I'm just thinking tough and easy to care for. There are plenty of small size crepe myrtles. If you look around, you can find some that get only four feet tall to six feet tall. And, you know, what's tougher and low care, more low care in the landscape than a crepe myrtle? So that's one. I think. Oh, do you want a tree kind of thing? Do you want a Japanese maple, one of the smaller Japanese maples? Would that be? Um, you know, I'm not wild about Japanese maples, so okay. I was trying to think of something else. Um, is a is a dogwood a ridiculous thought? No, not at all. But I'm not sure how a dogwood would. Is it the roots that the HOA doesn't like, or what is it about your maple trees that HOA is not? Approving? Well, it's it's me that I don't like them. I know I I'm already. I mean, it's already killing the grass okay. underneath right. because the sun won't get it. And I see the root system, and it's headed for the sidewalk, and the other one is headed for the driveway. Okay. So I know that I just want to get them before they're huge, and I have to take them out when they're huge. Is it full sun or some shade, or what's going on sun-wise? Um, in, the, in the front yard, they get um, full sun from about the 1 or 2 in the afternoon. They're they're on the west side of the house mm. so um <clears throat> but i really don't like them and do, now i'm having to rake all their leaves so i really don't I do you really know what, like a, what a kusa dogwood is and uh, no i don't k-o-u-s-a it's okay. well 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 within what i think would be right for you kusa dogwoods are asian dogwoods the american dogwood the florida cornice florida is the one that you think of in the spring and april when everything's white and flowering and right. those are the american dogwoods Kusa right. dogwood then starts blooming around May. They bloom after the leaves are on the tree, which gives this great green background for these big, big monster white flowers to come on. Oh, and wonderful. if you know what you're looking for, you can see them all over Atlanta, but uh-huh. maybe you don't recognize that is a dogwood because they have the leaves on them, and it's May. Mm. And mm-hmm. You don't think about that. Mm-hmm. So a Kusa dogwood, and there's several varieties of Kusa dogwood, many of which are associated with the skies, like Milky Way and cloudless 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 right. day, cloudless day, something like cloudless something or other, and, uh, constellation and various right. other names like that that have to do with the astronomy. 
And so go to a nursery, go to Pike, and say, hey, what's your selection on Coosa Dogwoods? And choose okay. one that looks like it would be the right color. Some of them have um, pink flowers. Some are white flowers with a pillow pink edge. There are mm-hmm. lots of variations variations of Coosa uh, Dogwood to look for. Okay. Okay. And now's the time to plant. Now is a fall. great time to plant. One of the things to remember, too, is if you mm-hmm. want less hassle with roots in years to come loosen an area just loosen just take a shovel and loosen an area oh six or eight feet in diameter so that the roots are underground for most of the time as they come out from the tree once they get away from the trunk more than four feet rarely do roots come up again it's the mm-hmm. trees that just get plopped down a little bitty hole with hard ground around them. they're the ones right. like your maples for instance that the roots right. stayed on the surface and moved in major made you mad Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. loosen an area that the roots can stay in for three or four feet away from the trunk and you shouldn't have any root problem at all and the coosa dogwood will be something you can brag on to all your neighbors and talk about those pretty (laughs) flowers in may and that's what i'm after too you know so thank you very much all right and thanks for calling you're welcome bye-bye it's 11 minutes past the hour that gives david his turn david's way up in blairsville joins us on lawn and garden hey david morning Good morning, Walter. How are you doing Good today? Fine, David. How can I help? Well, I was I live right in Blairsville, the town of Blairsville, and we have just some little woods over by the house that we live in, and I was out walking in my backyard with a friend of mine, and I, I saw some uh, giant sand spurs laying on the ground. <laughs> and, uh, Good description. And there was some in the tree there, and he told me that they were American chestnut, and I thought the American chestnut tree had all died out because of the blight. Yeah. So I'm just wondering if the, if it could be an American chestnut, and if so, how can I tell the difference? Near Blairsville, where hunters and hikers have gone through the woods for years after year after year, I doubt very seriously if it's an American chestnut. It may be a chinkapin, which is akin to chestnuts, or it could be even possibly a Chinese chestnut. But American chestnuts, as you say, have been wiped out by the chestnut blight. There are lots of research projects on finding ways of crossing the American with the Chinese and getting some resistance to the blight in them. But they haven't been released to the public to be, you know, everywhere in the woods. Some people are growing them and trialing them and testing them. But what you saw is probably not American. How can I tell the difference? I was glad you asked that question because about four years ago, <laughs> I spent a couple of hours looking for pictures of the difference between the birds, those, those sand bird things you were describing, the uh, difference between the birds, the leaves, and the bark on American chestnut versus chinkapin versus Chinese chestnut. And I found my pictures and put them on my website so I could remember what they looked like. And rather than go through all the details, I'll just refer you to my WalterReeves.com website. Just say, put the word chestnut in the search line. It'll take you right to that page. Okay. And if I find out it is an American chestnut, Ooh, call me like back. <laughs> call me back. Come on, man. we got to know. And then okay. we'll make a million dollars selling a blight-resistant American chestnut. But it's doubtful that's what you have. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Walter. I and uh, I really enjoy you listening to your show. And, and your voice is just a pleasant thing to hear on a Saturday <laughs> morning when you get to drive a truck. Thank you, David. It's very kind of you to say. Thanks for calling. Have a good day. We'll see you, man. Joe is up in Swanee, Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Joe. Good morning. Hey. Good morning, Walter. I echo uh, that gentleman's sentiments uh, as well. And uh, I called for your advice. I've got a yeah. small yard. It's a third of an acre. Most of it's in the front on a steep hill. But yeah. the question is for the back. I've got a slight slope up the back. Uh-huh. And I've got Bermuda grass. 
and it's kind of hard. It's kind of messy. Some of it grows up a little slope, and I want to make a clean cut. So I've got trees. I can't make a straight retaining wall if I wanted uh, to. Okay. But I've got some some large trees. I don't want to damage them. So my thought was is to take some kind of block uh, retaining wall or block from Lowe's. Yeah. Go up three or four feet around to the trees, or at least halfway around it that faces the house, and then maybe do railroad ties or something else. But my question was, what would might be a good suggestion. How close can I get to the trees? Or I just don't want to damage my trees. Sure. Or should I have pikes come out and look? I don't uh, know. You know, I've got a couple of ideas and advice for sort of how to plan your plan your direction here. Number one, don't put any soil up on the trunk of the tree because the trunk of the tree is probably one of the most susceptible places for bacteria and fungi and bad things you don't want. And nor does the tree. And that's the best place for it to invade. It's right there where the trunk meets the root. So you don't want any soil touching the trunk of the tree. Then the soil that you use to fill these, these beds, these half circle or, you know, I don't know how else to describe but these beds that are below the tree there, make sure that soil has a lot of sand in it because I want the soil to breathe enough that the roots that it covers won't be harmed either because you don't want the roots that they, the soil is over top of. You don't want those roots to suffocate because the soil is full of clay and it gets hard and heavy and all that. Um, okay. So if you would just take care of those two things, not letting the soil touch the trunk and making sure the soil is really open and well-drained, sort of sandy, loamy soil, you can plant things like that under a tree, sure. You can plant all sorts of ferns and heuchera, um, just as bunches of wild woodland, I guess we'd call it, woodland plants would grow very nicely under the trees there. Okay. And how, when I do when I put my block in there, do I need to stay so many feet away from the trunk of the tree? Would that be? I don't think uh, you need to worry too much about that as long as you're not touching the trunk with the soil. The block can be any distance from the tree that makes sense to you. Okay, because I probably would want to dig down some uh, a little bit. Okay. Do your best well, when you're digging down. You'll, you'll, of course, discover the roots of the tree. And do your best not to hurt those roots. There's a way to dig underneath the root and lower it just a little bit so the rock, so the block uh, doesn't rub on the root. Or just do what you can to make sure the roots are undamaged on the tree. More root damage leads to you know bad things happening to your trees. All right. Well, thanks so much. Appreciate it very much. All right. It's great talking to you, Joe. Thanks for calling. Take care. Yes, sir. Bye-bye. 17 minutes past the hour at News Talk WSB. A reminder that if you go to my website at WalterReeves.com, one of the things you can get there is a subscription, a free, kind of this, free subscription to our email newsletter we put out every two weeks on Thursdays. This last issue had pansy planting, one, two, three. How do you plant pansies correctly? What are the tips for fertilizing? What are the tips for taking care of the pansy plants? Well, other pictures on there, a picture of a creature that nobody could figure out what in the world it was, and so we just published that and said, what is this thing? Some say it's a half-eaten grasshopper, others say it's a, coal, um, a, a basement cricket, camel cricket, they don't know what it is, but things like that are in the newsletter, it's free, it's easy to do, it's on the right-hand upper corner of WalterReeves.com, and I hope you'll subscribe. It's 718, we'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. Well, that's nice, Jason. But you wouldn't 
even come around to see who's that, me. Who is that singing right there? This is Mr. Ben Harper. Mr. Ben Harper, very, very nice song music right there. Quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Rain showers will be finished by this late this afternoon. Colder temperatures, though, high today, only 60 degrees, low overnight, mid-40s. Tomorrow, sunny, breezy, cooler, highs only 55 degrees, maybe in the 30s overnight. But today in Jacksonville, 81 degrees at kickoff at 3.30. Of course, our pregame show starts at 11.30 here on the Home of the Dogs. News Talk WSB. More weather in 10 minutes. 725. Chris is in Decatur and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Chris. Good morning. Hey. Top of the morning to you. Top there, of the Walter. morning to you, too. How can I help? Go dogs. Um, so I've got uh, a third of an acre, and the front yard slopes down to the house, and the backyard slopes down to the house. And, um, i got nothing but weeds in the front yard, and uh, I was thinking about uh, killing them all, uh, killing what is on the ground, and... Uh, and starting over. Okay. And I was wondering, is this a good time? And, and what do you think about burning it? Can I just burn it? Like, you know, um, just take a big old butane torch and, and just, you know, maybe four inch wide um, orifice there and then just take a bottle and burn it all down? Or And can I burn it superficially or do I need to burn it down? To well, burn? I was thinking as you were doing, like, some people burn their Bermuda lawn and just burn the whole thing out. It looks black and it's ugly and. I don't recommend that at all. Burning weeds is a weed control thing with just a little flaming torch. There are flame torches that are sold for just that purpose. You put a butane tank on it, light it up, it has a little three or four inch wide flame, and just burns everything pretty good. The only thing to remember, I have done this before myself, and I set my pants legs on fire. So have somebody that's sort of looking at your pants to make sure you don't... No, it's cause an emergency there in Decatur. Um, if you feel like you want to use a flamer, sure. Be, of course, cautious about flames and wind and catching things on fire like mulch piles and stuff that you didn't intend to burn. But that is an exceptional way to kill weeds. Yeah, how far down do you need to burn it? Can you, the superficial or just... Yeah, it sort of depends on the plant. And dandelions, you'd be hard-pressed to ever kill a dandelion with a flamer because the roots are so deep that inevitably some roots are going to be down two or three inches where it doesn't get so hot, and those will sprout, and you'll have dandelions again. But things that are just annual weeds, crabgrass, for instance, if it were not right now because the crabgrass has already dropped its seeds, no real sense in burning it because it's not going to do you any good for next year. But if you had other uh, annual weeds and got to them early in the spring, of course, that would kill them, most of them anyway. What about the burn it and then kill it to make sure that the that it's very good? Is that yeah, point? but you know, it might be safer just to go and get some some Roundup and use the Roundup on the weeds and not worry about the burning at all. If you want to do that, that would be just over the top with Roundup. Seven days later, you can plant the seed. Many times that suits me more than trying to flame them out and doesn't require doesn't require a trip to the emergency room either. So think about that too. Think about spraying Roundup on the weeds and killing them that way. It's 727 at News Talk WSB. Back to more Lawn and Garden afternoons. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 7.36 on a Saturday morning, 55 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. You guessed it. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful and get you out of the work you don't need to do in the garden and to get you to do the work that you do need to do. If you need to know the difference between the two, all you have to do is call me, 
0750. That's for the numbers that Nadine called just a few minutes ago, and now she's on the on the line with us. Hey, Nadine, good morning. So how can I help? Um, I have a question about my Japanese maple. Sure. Um, it's about, I guess, four to five years old now, and the last year um, it's been having, like, these white, um, dryish patches on the leaves. Yeah. Like the top, the, the top of the canopy, basically. It is a common, relatively common disease called, <laughs> I don't know if I should spell this or not, because I barely can pronounce it. It's called Philosticta, P-H-Y-L-L-O-S-T-I-C-T-A. Yay, Walter. Philosticta, wow. Philosticta leaf spot on maples. You, if you want to call it white spot on maple leaves, that's fine with me. doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's what it is. Those little white spots, little dots on the leaves that are about a quarter inch maybe in diameter. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. about that. Um, unless it shows up really early in the growing season, if we have a relatively normal weather pattern in the spring and early summer, then philosicta spots don't turn into much of anything. But if it's real wet in the spring, many times they'll get all over the tree and look pretty ratty by July. So you mm -hmm. get to make a decision somewhere earlier in the season. Do I want to spray a fungicide for this or do I want to just let nature take its course? And either way, sometimes might be the right answer. Okay, so it's not going to, like, harm the tree or kill it or anything? Not particularly. It won't be bad some years. It will be bad in other years, and it's hard to predict which is going to be the worst year for it. So you can spray with any of the garden fungicides will prevent it and protect mm -hmm. the leaves. You just have to get it on the leaves before the disease really gets started heavily as before the leaves are putting more leaves on the tree, on the maple, during the, during the early summer would be the time to spray. Okay, well, I can definitely try that. And then one more question about that tree is that the underneath, like below the canopy, there's a lot of dead twigs and branches and that. Sure. Should those be removed sure, or not? Sure, just cut them off. That's cut pretty normal. Okay. Japanese maples always have a little limb yeah. here and limb there that's dying dead. Cut it off. Get rid of it. Okay. All right, perfect. Thank you so much. You bet. Thanks for calling, Nadine. Bye-bye. It is 7.38. That was a quick call. we got CL in Griffin, Georgia. Hey, CL. Good morning. Buddy, how are you doing today? My friend, I am doing fine. How can I help? Well, um, I, me and my wife bought us a house out here in Griffin, Georgia. Yeah. And uh, they got these pretty cactuses, uh, the patty cactuses. I, I'm not exactly sure of the name. But they got these bulbs that grow on them, and I've been told they're edible. Yeah, no polys. Yeah. Uh, right, right. But I'm not sure how to go about eating them or when to know they would even be ready. Mm, call Belinda Skelton when she has her Good Eat show on, where she talks about how to cook things. I don't know how to cook them. I don't know, Sia. I mean, um, I'm looking at them. They said you got to get you a bag of coals yeah. just to get the splines off. Yeah. But uh, I'm trying to figure out how do you put fruit in a bag of coals and, and not ruin it. With tongs. <laughs> yeah, you put tongs in there and hold it above the fire to burn the spines off. This is an area that I have no clue, CL, what to do. There are 19 people listening right now, I'm sure, who do know. And if you don't mind, I'll just put it out there. If anybody knows what to do with the fruits on a cactus specifically, give us a call. And CL, you listen for the next 30 or 40 minutes, and we'll let you know. All right. Now, can I back do another one? Give me another one. All right, I got a fig tree, uh... Took it off and cutting uh, earlier in the summer. Yeah, and I just took the sticks down in a flower pot. And now I got a fig tree that's sitting up about a uh, about a foot tall. Great. What do I need to do this winter for? Plant it. In fact, I would do it this weekend. Plant it. Put it in the ground. Put it in the place that would have at least ten or fifteen feet in both directions for it to grow. Full sun. 
Let her grow and have some figs in a couple of years. Right. The only thing that you might want to do to that little bitty sprout is put some chicken wire over the top for the wintertime because rabbits will sometimes eat them, or squirrels even, so you want to protect it at least for a couple of years so it gets off the ground and high enough that they can't hurt it. Okay. So, yeah, that's what I've heard. Right now I've got a chicken wire around it in this big old uh, yeah. flower pot that I made. Yeah, but. just use the chicken wire over the top when you put it in the ground. Okay, cool, cool. I really appreciate it. Thank you, CI. See you soon, man. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Pete comes to us from Ball Ground. Pete's on the air. Hey, Pete, good morning. How are you, Walter? I'm doing fine, Pete. What's going on? My vegetable garden seems like every year has gotten worse and worse taken over by cuckleburrs. <laughs> yeah. How many listeners know what a cuckleburr is? And I can put on it to, to help those from growing faster than my corn. I said there were people listening who talk about cactus and cooking the cactus fruits, and then there's other listeners out there who are not who are clueless on what a cuckleburr is. Why don't you describe the cuckleburr and the cuckleburr plant for us? Well, it's a basically a weed yeah. that the, the the fruit of that plant That's is right. a it's about the size, I guess, of a of a small grape. You got it. And it has millions of tiny spikes that are sharp that will hurt anything they touch. And if you step on it, it hurts your foot. If you get it on your clothes, exactly. which is how they it, end up in in your hair, and yeah, your clothes, your hair, or, dog, everybody that passes by uh, gets one of those cuckleburrs on them. I used exactly. to have a song about a cow with cuckleburrs in her tail, but I'm not going to sing it right now. Right. Um, and, uh, like I say, they grow faster than <laughs> anything. I think the key, there's not anything more that I can tell you other than hoe it out. Just remove the plant when it's, right. when it's small. You know what the leaves look like when they're small, the little rounded things that right. sort of look like the mature plant. And it's easy to pull. I remember pulling it all the time when I was a kid in my oh, yeah. father's garden, but... I guess if you wanted, I guess, to spray it with a little squirt of Roundup, you could. But pulling is probably easier, safer, and more advantageous. So just pull them or hold them out when they, when they show up in the spring. Yep, that's what I've been doing. All right. Well, I just didn't know if maybe there was it. a pre-emergent for it. No, there's not. Okay. Thank All right. You. All right, Pete. Thanks for calling. Bye. 42 minutes past the hour, and we got Jan on the line. Jan, come to us from Milledgeville, Georgia. Jan, hey, Good morning. Good morning. Um, my problem is we have a bee's nest in the ground yeah. in our yard, and yeah. it's a fairly heavily traveled area of our yard. Our, our, when our grandson comes to visit, he's running around there. Oh, yeah. I want to get rid of the bee's nest, but, of course, I, I, should we fill in the hole? What, what should we do about that? Well, I've got good news for you and bad news for them. Okay. As soon as the frost comes, as soon as cold weather comes, most of those yellow jackets are what you have. Yellow jackets are the ones that build the nests in the ground. And as soon as cold weather arrives, they're all going to die. Uh-oh. And that is something you can just predict with certainty. They're all going to die eventually this uh, winter. They'll maybe take a couple of cold, cold nights, hard freezes maybe to kill them, but they'll all die. The queen would be the only one that survives, and she'll go out and nest or make a little place for herself in a pile of leaves or a rotten log or someplace like that. And then next year when she hatches out in spring, she'll go and start and dig a little hole and lay a couple of eggs, and the workers will hatch out. They'll dig more of the hole, lay some more eggs, and pretty soon they'll make another nest, and who knows where it'll be. It won't be in the same hole again. Okay. So if, you, if you have the grandkids coming over soon and you're sort of worried about between now and the hard frost, Jan, what you can do is get one of the aerosol wasp and hornet sprays and just promise me this. Promise me you'll not empty the can into that hole because that's a real 
bugaboo. It just pollutes the soil. It's wasteful. It's just not a good thing to do. It takes one squirt. That's all you have to do with wasp and hornet aerosol spray. Just wait till dusk some night when you can see the hole, but they can't see you. you just walk up to it, go like that, right in the mouth of the of the hole. Maybe put a brick over it to hold the fumes in, and the yellow jacks will be all be dead tomorrow morning. And so then, and then ideally we could fill up that hole. And then. you can fill it up. Yeah, sure. A hole in the yard, which is you know dangerous in itself because you can trip in that. Maybe, but you know another thing that how old is the kid that's running around, Jan? Eight. Eight. You know that is a kid who has curiosity. Yeah. And for her, for is it a boy or a girl? A boy. Well, that boy, he needs to know what's underground in that yellow jacket nest, and it is fascinating to dig him up and see. And you wait, of course, until you see no activity above ground again yeah. when the cold weather or when you squirted it with the with the aerosol. But take a little narrow shovel and go out there with him and dig very carefully around the edge of that hole. The nest inside looks just like a paper wasp or a, a hornet nest that hangs from the trees, sort of. And sure. so if you're real gentle and pull it out of the ground, you can see the form of the, all the cells that are in there. Maybe there might be a couple of larvae that are still wiggling around in it if you do it pretty early in the, in the winter. And your boy can look at it and say, well, now I see what's inside that thing. But don't let that flying insect touch him because then it'll sting him. But if he wants to see what it looks like inside, it's a great teachable moment, Jan. There, that's a great idea. Always yeah. good. You bet. Always- Great. Okay, well, we'll try those things, and um, hopefully we will say goodbye to the bees for one, now. One little squirt. One little squirt is all it takes. I understand. All right. right. Thanks for calling, Jan. Bye-bye. One of the things that's been puzzling me is I had a yellow jacket nest on the side of a raised bed in my backyard vegetable garden, and about three weeks ago now, I was keeping an eye on it because I wanted to see how big it would get, how many yellow jackets I would see coming in and out. I wanted to see if hornets would come in and eat the yellow jackets, which sometimes they do. Ball-faced hornets, the big nest that lives up in the trees, those hornets will roost right beside a yellow jacket nest in the ground and will grab yellow jackets and eat them while you watch. And I wanted to see if that would happen this year. Instead, I came back one morning and some creature had dug up the yellow jacket nest and had the comb over to the side, partially chewed, and I sort of think it was raccoons. I'm guessing it was raccoons. The only thing I can think of that would dig up a, a nest like that and wouldn't be hurt too badly. But I was disappointed that I didn't get to see my hornets trying to control the yellow jackets uh, naturally. But I was curious to see an animal came up and dug those yellow jackets right up out of the ground. Interesting things. You can always learn something by looking at insects, not getting too close to them, of course, if they're stinging insects. But you can always learn something from their behavior that is beneficial later on in your life. It's 747 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. What's impossible will they forget? This world keeps spinning and with each new day I can feel a change in everything Well, we've got a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. We will have changes. Rain showers likely finishing up by late this afternoon, but colder temperatures coming into the state. Today, the high is only 60 degrees, low tonight in the mid-40s. Tomorrow, sunny, breezy, cooler, high only 55, maybe down into the 30s the night after that.
Today in Jacksonville, 81 degrees at kickoff time at 3.30 this afternoon. The pregame show, of course, starts here at 11.30. We'll have a full weather update for you in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Scott is up in Winder and joins us on Lawn and Guard. Hey, Scott. Morning. Good morning, Walter. My wife and I really pride ourselves in bringing in dozens of varieties of butterflies due to the plants that we have in our backyard. Oh, great. But we had a butterfly that we've never, ever seen before come into our yard yesterday. Went online, identified it as a zebra long wing. Yeah, wow. How unusual is it to pull one all the way from Florida all the way up to the suburbs of North Atlanta? I have a vague picture in my head of what a zebra long wing looks like, but go ahead. It's a, gosh, it's a, it's a long wing, has mm-hmm. a long narrow wing with its wings are black with light yellow zebra-like stripes Ooh, through its body. Very nice. I remember seeing them at the Butterfly Garden at the University of Florida in Gainesville, or Florida State, I guess. Who's in Gainesville? Whichever Florida place is in Gainesville, I remember seeing it at the Butterfly Garden there. That's as far north as I'd ever seen one, I guess. So it's quite unique and unusual, huh? What are you using, Scott? What are you putting out in the garden that brings all the butterflies in? Well, this butterfly was on the zinnias, but we've got lantanas and sure. we've got uh, butterfly bushes and many other types plants that we've seen the, the butterflies hit, but again, I've been doing this for, gosh, about 17, 18 years, and I've never seen one of these in my yard before. What butterfly book do you use to identify butterflies? I just go online and, you know, I take a photograph and yeah. then start searching. I don't really have a book. Yeah, I have two that I have at home, I remember, that are pretty thick, and I've used them once in a while to identify butterflies, and the one, frankly, that has the caterpillars in it, that's the one I use most often because that's what people send me pictures of. I have this great old big brown caterpillar on my tomatoes. What is this? And so I, you know, look at the picture and identify the caterpillar from that. But I know you're right. Many times just take a picture, go online, orange butterfly white spots and it'll give you immediately choices between two or three and you know what you have but yeah the long wing sounds like one that we would not see a lot of up north georgia particularly up in up in winder well, i was just curious i want to get your thoughts on it walter well I mean, you're a lucky man you're doing the right thing to have butterflies in the garden enjoy enjoy my thank, friend thanks well have to do that now Bye-bye. we'll see you soon it's 657 at news talk wsb reminder tomorrow is sunday tomorrow you get all the news that's fit to print here in Atlanta, as well as coverage of the Bulldogs and the Florida Gators that we'll have this afternoon. Also, local, state, and national news. It's your Sunday Atlanta Journal and Constitution. At 7.57, in the next 15 minutes, we'll have Harold Kudzu covering his yard. Wants to know what to do about that. Michelle in Decatur wants to know how to plant her garden tonight. That's what Michelle has in mind. Hans in Athens says wants to overwinter his hibiscus. Nate has an Indian hawthorn dropping its leaves. Richard in McDonough has suckers for his crepe myrtle that's gone away. What do you do about all the suckers? I have answers for each one of them. Maybe you at 404-872-0750. We'll be back after news. Right.